And let's break it. We just talked about that Mm -hmm. seconds before the show. What's a logical brother? Sure. So um, in general, right, people are saddled with genetic family. Mm -hmm. Like you don't get to choose your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins. Um, So a good friend of mine sort of coined the term, at least as far as I've been aware of, (laughs) like having a logical family. So those around you that you choose. And are you adopted or did you abandon your non-logical family? No, I just have a very small logical family. It's just my parents. Really. No, not a logical a small oh, blood oh, family. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, very small blood family. Okay. Right? I have some cousins. Um, they all live in different places around the country. Um, in general, we're, like, fairly separated in terms of age. And so there's there's just very little of that close family tie that I have. Yeah, we don't have it in this generation almost at all anymore. You're like, you have a couple friends maybe, and you have a couple family. I mean, me and my brother, we're four years apart in age. He lives up in Salem. He just had a baby a week ago, mm. speaking of your logical brother. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's you just don't see family very much anymore. Whereas, I mean, 100 years ago, when would you not like be living in a multi-generational, or maybe 200 years ago? Yeah, it depends on where, right? There are still places in the world that multi-generational living is the norm yeah. and expected. Um, if you had a kid, would you do that? If I had a kid, I would prefer that. Really? Absolutely. Like, yeah. so you just have, like, a, maybe, like, a guest house or, like, a mother-in-law, but it'd be, like, your kid can live there whenever they need or, like, their kids? Yeah, um, and my logical family, mm. right? Like, I would prefer to be around those closest to me um, as often as, like, me or them can stand. Drinking wine. <laughs> right, that's right. That's yeah. fun. Have you ever lived uh, on a commune or, like, looked into one? or? I've looked into it, um, but I haven't lived on any i think i'm i think i'm a little too picky to just pick up with a commune and see how it goes right? the classic yeah. i want to live on a commune but i want to get to pick all the people <laughs> exactly. i think that's exactly. every single person <laughs> exactly yeah that's tricky um it is tricky actually so uh my family in eugene they live at the east blair housing co-op mm-hmm. um and so they're sort of test driving what it's like to live in a communal situation where decisions are made by consensus um it's it's a very interesting dynamic that they have with folks that aren't like that close to them right they've become closer because they've lived there for a few years but wow that's true and so is there just before we get to the housing because that's a fascinating thing of like hey like my living i'd have to like argue or i don't even know how they decide it you know does one really charismatic person just get to sway the whole thing um (laughs) if you have a kid do you get two votes do you get to vote for them i'm curious about all that but like how do you get someone into your logical family do you like hey let's do this like is it like a marriage ceremony of like are you just like casually like hey one day like are we brothers i do think there's like a a dearth of ritual right Mm -hmm. in in our society and specifically in like my community um it would be nice to have something like that right another excuse to party with my family would be fun um but really it's just sort of over time you you grow to have an understanding that this is like this is a relationship that i will move as close to heaven and earth as I can to make sure that we maintain, right? That's and, wild. And, and be, be close to one another. How yeah. many people do you have? Like, I mean, that, you're essentially saying, hey, I have really close friends, which is a rare thing in society today. Like, Kenzie and I are really lucky that we were partners and best friends, and we have a couple oh, friends that live really cool. close by. But, like, everyone I went to high school with, everyone I went to college with, almost everyone I know, like, especially coworkers, I'm like, you just don't see them anymore, you know? Yeah. So you actually move heaven and earth to meet, like, be around people. How many of them can you upkeep? That seems high. You know, it seems difficult. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, if it was on me alone to upkeep, I think the number would be very low. <laughs> um, however, like having that sort of collaborative association with folks makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now it's probably around twelve or thirteen Holy shit. folks that I'm just 
extremely close close with and I want to maintain. Um, there's no cap, right? Mm-hmm. The the only cap is like how many people I'm able to talk to in a given day. Yeah, <laughs> elephant in the room. Is everyone mm-hmm. single individually? It sounds like you have a logical brother and sister. Like mm-hmm. if two people break up and the other two get to like, has that ever been a, a confusing? I mean, are they all mutually family or you have 12 family members, but they're yeah. not all each other's? Good know? question. Uh, a fair number of them are close with each other as well. However, I'd say it sort of uh, spiderwebs. It turns into quite a net wow. really quickly. Um, so that degrees of separation depends, mm-hmm. right? Based on who you're talking to. Um, so I think, right, like the ability for all of us to be close to one another yeah. uh, is very limited. So there's a lot of Zoom calls, yeah. a lot of maintaining um, closeness mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. It was necessary. I mean, I didn't go to the, I didn't, I haven't seen my brother since he had his baby. He's my blood brother mm-hmm. and he lives in Salem. You flew here from Denver. Yeah, that's right. That's wild. <laughs> Man, I think a lot of people are probably envious right now. I think, and I'm mm. like, I'm very happy. I obviously, like, am fulfilled in that sense. But I mean, if Kenzie and I hadn't met six years ago and the pandemic happened, and then I'm like, yeah. what a nightmare it'd be. So I assume you all met pre-pandemic. Like, how long has this kind of familial incestual thing been going on? <laughs> Just accounting <laughs> yeah. for your brother, oh, your logical brother and sister. That reminds me. Yeah, <laughs> um, we haven't had too many scenarios where couples split up and then it just like shattered a part of the like logical family right um just to answer that question yeah i think we for the most part all met in eugene actually a lot of them went to university of oregon Mm -hmm. um a lot of them played ultimate frisbee Mm -hmm. for the university of oregon um and that was sort of the start of a lot of those very close relationships cool yeah and you're 31 i'm 25 so six years late that would have been fun little cohort to be a part of but that was the (laughs) whole crazy thing of how this all came about you live in denver right Mm -hmm. now you're moving or something like that just bought a house okay i closed on a house on wednesday that's the day i flew here wow (laughs) what a what a time i mean like just i mean yeah i'm like can we talk about it for a split second of like what was your decision making of like now seems like a good time like a global recession and a war and like you know they're (laughs) peaked and they might be coming down but also interest rates are the highest now's Mm -hmm. the time yeah right i mean it's a good question it is like what's your thought process my thought process was um so my partner just got into medical school in denver we've been living with her parents in colorado springs for the last two and a half three months Mm -hmm. um and rent close to where her school is is just about what the mortgage on my new house is whoa so it was a choice um that I've been leading up to probably for like six or seven years, right? And it's like, as fast as you can save money, the housing market has been skyrocketing, right? Um, So really all it took was just this little dip in housing prices to feel like I should should pull the trigger when I can. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll be in Denver for minimum four years, right? For her to get through a doctor of osteopathy program. Um, So yeah, rather than paying more money into a rental system, I'll just pay myself a little equity. That's cool. I yeah, uh, I went to a cranial osteopath once who who really? helped a lot. It's like it almost didn't seem like he was doing anything, like yeah. just holding your head, cradling it for like twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and then they'd go and like they'd set your hand on your knee for like twenty minutes, and they're like, "Oh, that's three hundred bucks." Yeah. <laughs> like, did you feel any better? Yeah, totally. I mean, like pretty much. My dad went for a long time, and he's like, "You'll go," and I'm like, "I did feel better," but as soon as I was out of the house, like, I did that when I was younger, like 16, 18 and stuff. Mm-hmm. So is she going that kind of track or what? Yeah, so I think bone doctor. The <laughs> right. The the interesting part 
of a doctor of osteopathy program is that it involves manual manipulation. Um, selfishly, I'm really looking forward to the day that she can just kind of like fix my neck. Um, <laughs> but she's, she hasn't decided on a specialty yet. Um, I think one thing that surprised me actually about a doctor of osteopathy program, because, you know, living in Oregon, I'm exposed to some of them, mm-hmm. but their treatment is fairly um, nuanced, mm-hmm. right? Um, difference between a DO and an MD is very slight. They can have very similar specialties. So like she could still get into surgery or emergency medicine or um, interventional radiology, right? Those are all still options. Um, and yet there's still like kind of a question mark of what, what is the DO doing? You yeah. know, they're just having these <laughs> just <laughs> some, somewhat mystical experiences with patients where, you know, I had a three herniated discs in my neck. You did? Um, you personally? From, yeah, from a car accident. Whoa. And I went to a doctor of osteopathy and basically he like crossed my arms and just laid on me for two or three minutes and I got up and it was the first time I didn't have neck pain in a year and a half. Um, It came back gradually, but he also paired with a physical therapist and a chiropractor to sort of maintain therapy over time. What kind of car crash? That sounds like a brutal way to walk out of your neck. It was, it was really just a a rear end, right? Got rear ended while I was in a, in a ride share. Um, (laughs) one star <laughs> it sucked yeah <laughs> it wasn't his fault it was it wasn't the driver's fault yeah um but insurance yeah, or anything i mean that's that's pretty crazy it's funny just two people ago maybe three people ago someone was on the other side of that they killed a person in a car crash oh, so my it's, God. you know lucky you came out that way just like pretty much just whiplash gave you three herniated discs in your neck yeah yeah i was sort of like looking down to the side <sighs> and got hit um what a bad time it was a bad time yeah um and that happened how long ago Ooh, at this point, I think it's been like five years. Okay. And mm-hmm. your neck pain's like significantly better. Herniated disc is yeah. something you can heal, like if it's not ruptured or something like that. Yeah. Um, I wish I had a more thorough answer to that. I do believe that it can heal. Um, ruptured discs, I think, are slightly more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, there's just like infinite variety of how, how bad an injury could be. Yeah. <laughs> so you got <laughs> you got lucky and you met a DL. That was also the lucky part. Mm-hmm. I had a very similar mm-hmm. kind of pain where it's like, I went through acupuncture, chiropractor, doctors, got a, a, a x-ray to see if it was scoliosis, like so many things. Wow. No one got it in this random, like, that's why I went to kinesiology school. This random mm. person's like, oh, you have a uh, stuck nerves or like your nerves are just too short or from like, there's like certain posture for too long. Yeah. And he showed me nerve flossing, which hurt like a bitch, oh, but it, yeah, yeah. it went away. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, you know? So I'm like, I want to help people. And I'm like, I don't want to help people. I oh don't. my goodness. <laughs> I really don't. I'm like, fuck them. I'm helping myself. I'm helping those around me. Not helping some nine year old who got in a car crash. I'm like, yeah, I'll spend the next uh, whole day rehabilitating your D, your knee. I'm like, they're just going to die. I'm like, I'll market shit. <laughs> so as you can tell, I mean, you said you're, you're yeah. selfish about, you know, your partner getting the DO. We're all mm-hmm. selfish at the end of the day as a marketer. Yeah. You got to admit, everyone is kind of thinking about themselves all day, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard to escape that. Right. I think a lot of things around us are encouraging that line of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, self, self-interest runs deep. Yeah. I think. And it's not necessarily <laughs> a bad thing. You need it for survival. You need to be thinking about, mm-hmm. oh, what am I going to eat later? Yeah, Who am I going to see? Who am I going to procreate with? All these things. Like, so as a marketer, how do you talk? Mm-hmm. I would say you're very, you're one of the best salespeople and you're a manager. You're not even really okay. a salesperson, but you're one of the best mm-hmm. ones that I've talked to in a long time. That's part of the reason I wanted to do the show. Great. I'm, like, what are your core ethos? Mine would be say the word you. Mm. especially in making ads and stuff like the the <laughs> audience or the person you're talking to needs to know how they fit into the story whatever you're saying so say yeah. the word you so they can place themselves and the second one would be speak to themselves like like talk to them like how will this benefit your life what will this do for you like those are my yeah. two main things i'm curious if you have any others yeah that's right um 
I think really in sales, the question becomes like, how, what can I ask to learn more about you, right? Being curious mm. is probably the most important thing, uh, especially for the, the sales folks that I'm training right, yeah. or coaching. Um, being curious and sort of earning the right to make a recommendation. Mm. And making that recommendation takes a fair bit of groundwork. Yeah. yeah. That would not work in ads. <laughs> hey, what's your car situation? <laughs> right. <laughs> like Dora the Explorer ads. <laughs> in, in person-to-person sales or Zoom mm-hmm. sales, that would work significantly better. I'm like, right. why haven't I never thought of that? I'm like, I can't. I can't talk to people. It doesn't work the same. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work the same. Um, but yes, I mean, over Zoom, it's really hard to con- for me to connect with people. I just mm-hmm. did a Zoom interview with this person at Stanford. I'm like, I dropped. I fumbled. How do you manage to still connect with people over like digitally... Mm-hmm. mediated communication sucks sure yeah i think the number one thing that makes a difference is just showing them something that's relevant mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. even if even if we're in person and i show you something that you just don't care about mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll lose interest just as fast as someone yeah. on zoom um but i think there's there's very little that we can do that really affects how someone on the other side of the screen is perceiving what we're showing mm-hmm. unless the topic that we're talking about has them interested already. Yeah. Um, and what interests them is selfish things or like if a company, yeah. you know, goals, goals, very commonly goals. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, are you a goal oriented person? You asked <laughs> it when you were inquiring about me, which I'm like, Oh shit. Like, like thinking back to how you interacted with me, I'm like, Oh, you did do these things surprisingly well. Um, <laughs> I'm glad it was surprising. <laughs> yeah. So are you goal oriented in your personal and professional life? I thought you just mentioned a meta article that says being goal oriented is a bad thing. Well, it depends on what the goal is, mm. right? And so goal-oriented towards um, what, the, what the study was showing. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, I'll send okay. it to you after this. It's okay. like the, the goal having be a short-term monetary gain mm-hmm. typically detracts from your experience of chasing that goal. Um, for me, I am goal-oriented, right? I mentioned it earlier. If I, could, player. if I could do anything, yeah. I would be on a vineyard making wine with those closest to me if they want to be there kick him back Love it. Um, and that's that's something that I've been chasing <laughs> since I decided that right around 11 years ago yeah um, so you a big drinker alcoholic not, not really <laughs> well I, maybe every alcoholic would say that uh, <laughs> but I enjoy drinking actually over the last three weeks I decided to stop drinking with one of my coworkers. Oh. Um, we just decided to give it a shot right cool. it, had, it had been a while since we just went like cold turkey sober yeah um, and that was fun that was enjoyable nice. obviously I broke that as soon as my my baby niece was born, uh, yeah, oh, <laughs> there's something about celebrating in the waiting room mm-hmm. um, that was worth it. But no, it's the aesthetic of growing wine mm-hmm. and making wine mm. is really the thing that draws me to it. Yeah. Like, drinking wine is easy, but making really good wine is pretty hard. So you brewed um, stuff before, like I've made kombucha mm-hmm. and I've made apple cider, like hard apple cider. But then I see yeah. wine, I'm like, oh my god, you know that seems confusing <laughs> to not make it taste horrible. Sure, I think. Um, fermentation is is has has commonalities across all of those beverages right like science is science um but what what draws me to it really is like my family um owned and operated a vineyard in uh mendocino county redwood valley Mm -hmm. shout out um for around 85 years um and unfortunately in my dad's generation right that that winery went fairly defunct my grandfather died um was no longer able to manage the vineyard his kids moved on they all had lives of their own but it's in your blood um, to want to do it 
Yeah, there's there's an aspect of like wishing I could have seen that property mm. because by the time I was born, the vines were gone. There was still like these big redwood um, tanks where they used to you know crush grapes and ferment wine, and so it was sort of like walking around some ruins as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I I built up a bit of a story in my head around like oh how wonderful would it be to have those things still. This um, is blowing my mind. You, this has been your dream for 11 <laughs> years. Since you're 22, mm-hmm, you yeah. knew what you wanted to, like, your end goal. I don't know my end goal. Like, in terms of that vividly, that's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, a vineyard, if someone pitched, I'd be like, that sounds really good. <laughs> but I guess, do you, do you think it's good to have, like, a long-term? So when you take, like, oh, I'm going to take a subscription as a service sales uh, position. Yeah. That'll help me be a vineyard one day. Or, like, right. like how do you, you know, day-to-day, uh, how do you, like, make decisions? Do you read a lot of books? Do you watch mm-hmm. YouTube videos? Like, how do you self-educate and kind of progress on that path? Yeah, good question. Sometimes I wonder if I'm just kind You're of... perfect. I'll <laughs> move the mic a little bit. Appreciate it. Um, sometimes I wonder if I'm, like, spinning my wheels. Um, that's always a question uh, when you're seemingly day-to-day is so far away from what you want it to be. Mm. Um, I would say that what I do is leading me down a path that will make it more likely that I can make a choice mm-hmm. to own and operate this thing as a business that is more or less self-sustaining. Yeah. Um, sustainability in the choices that I make in terms of like reaching these goals is one of the one of the really important things that I think I've developed over the last six years. Mm-hmm. Um, making choices that build towards this goal, even though it might feel circuitous <laughs> in the day-to-day, yeah. um, has been at times challenging to remind myself that yes these are in fact the choices that i need to make to get to this place one day it's <laughs> a great way of thinking about it. i'm dying to know that like you know mm-hmm. you're 50 you're 16 you do it and you're like i fucking hate this <laughs> what you do <laughs> you know oh, yeah, yeah, 39 sure. years down the drain no what i'm more curious about <laughs> is you started by saying just kind of a phrase or a term that not a lot of people think in terms of Mm-hmm. inputs and outputs being disconnected or like mm-hmm. you know your outcome isn't just about your time spent but then you said you want the winery to be self-sustaining that's right. and that is the physical labor is not necessarily going to be that so like mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to just do it as a passion project and then do a massively uh you know optimized input output for the labor like or, you yeah. know I'm, I'm so curious absolutely yeah optimizing those kinds of systems is is uh just peak experience mm. for me right like cool. that is what i want to spend my time doing score managing people managing sales teams gets me closer <laughs> to managing grapes <laughs> to, to having that experience of just like optimizing systems yeah. and making it good for people who are involved um i would say that what i fear most is getting to a place where i'm able to make this big investment right own this land begin to operate it mm. and then live in fear of it one day not making enough money to sustain <laughs> itself and then within 20 years lose it and your great grandchild grows up like i right. always wanted to see it <laughs> yeah or, or my nieces and nephews yeah. and then all of a sudden the cycle returns 80 years later where we it's all like, well. <laughs> living in a, in a cycle of trauma aren't we <laughs> <laughs> right I mean, yeah if, if we can escape it it'd be better yeah <laughs> so i mean would you ever just say no fuck that i'm gonna you know live in a vr i mean in terms of like thinking about mm. free will, I'm like you today, uh, yeah. you know, 31, you're living based off of what 20 year old you decided would be your goal. And 20 year old you, you know, 
like that's a lot of like random kind of like at some point i, I mean i'm saying this because i feel like i'm spinning my wheels too at times in life mm-hmm. you're like what's this all for you know it's yeah. just it's a weird kind of thing it's like 3 a.m <laughs> and you're working you're like i just did an all-nighter it's 3 a.m the next day you're like this can't be good but you enjoy oh. it too there's something optimizing systems has mm. this it's such a good feeling yeah i mean like it Oof. feels good i yeah. in terms of optimizing systems with people involved that isn't like we have a great communication you know you, do you have a hundred percent say over who you hire no see i don't think i could do that yeah. <laughs> because i'd be like you, you know you give mm-hmm. me like moldy dough and you're like make a baguette i'm like it's just <laughs> i can spend all the time in the world mm-hmm. and it's just not as worth it you know so i'm like of course yeah. how do you kind of fit that into your whole optimizing systems or do you just like bite your tongue and be like hands i'm dealt, or like dealing with the cards i'm dull yeah sure so there there are ways to ensure that a bad hire has a limited impact mm. <laughs> on your business on your team mm-hmm. on the way that you want to Share want to run things I'm right well to know. there's uh, contractually mm. right there's there's language that businesses put in place to ensure that bad hires can only do so much mm-hmm. if they turn out to just really be as rotten as a person could yeah. in a given position that's super rare yeah but it's not right? even rotten it's just uh <laughs> what's the thing don't uh don't blame like evil on what could be attributed to incompetence or something mm-hmm. along those lines like it's not that like evil yeah. people they're so easy to spot you're like oh they have malicious intent exactly it's the people right. who are just incompetent and then cover it up in ways i'm not even talking about my current job i'm talking about when i was working at chipotle mod pizza like every job <laughs> i've ever had that wasn't just in food i swear um you know there's just some people who were you're like what is going on in there and mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't imagine. Be, I hope that I get to go through my entire life without ever managing another human being. Mm, I think and you could. There's no reason you couldn't. <laughs> right? Because there's different like managing capital. You can manage media. You can manage a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And right when we got this job, you know, we had people like, yeah, you guys should move into a management position sometime. Like, you know, but like you, you are going this route. So do sure. you see it like as the quickest way to get your outputs and your inputs disconnected? Because you're mm-hmm. like leveraging yourself with people. Hmm. I think that's, that's an interesting question the way I think about managing people um, I think I think there's a couple wrinkles here one is that people are probably the best way to multiply impact mm. I think that empowering folks to make smart choices and to determine the way that we should move be it strategy or what we should do this week like how are you going to spend your time today I think those are things that I obviously won't know the right answer for every person that I manage or that I talk to. However, giving them tools with which to deploy themselves in a meaningful way towards the goals of the business Mm -hmm. is like really fun. (laughs) And I think more often than not, incompetence doesn't prevent you from finding the way that individuals can have the best impact on on a given system. And so do you think giving people freedom helps them do the things that they're best at? And like a lot of jobs, especially performance and metric based positions don't allow for that. So how do you, like if you get someone and they're like, they're this job and they just start doing the bare minimum of that and then doing Mm -hmm. this other thing, like, can you like, you know, it's, I mean, cause again, Kenzie and I started with TikTok here at Komodo and then we're all (laughs) social medias and now we're like ads. And it's just like this Mm -hmm. weird thing of if we were told, no, 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 you just do that. It's like, whoa, you know, 
they did. Oh, and they did. They they literally did. It was yeah, but not many people. Like like you know, sure. Kenzie and I's direct supervisor mm-hmm. is probably the single best boss I've ever had. And obviously, my next door neighbor Mark, who had a large impact, Incredible. one of the best people. Incredible. But it's just yeah. other middle management and other people at your level. It's just the crabs in the barrel kind of thing of like, <laughs> hey, whoa. I mean, my brother works for the government, mm-hmm. and. I'm not even going to out him. But the general consensus <laughs> is if you work too fast, you make other people look bad. I'm like, that's a crazy kind of uh, thing, you know? Yeah. I think um, that kind of office politics exists, Yeah. right? However, what I've noticed in sales specifically mm-hmm. is that there's not a lot of time for office politics. Yeah. It is so metrics-driven, and your ability to influence your own outcome is... Let's see. Influencing outcomes is challenging. However, influencing your input, mm-hmm. getting back to that kind of terminology, right, is entirely up to you. Dissect, it's hard to influence outcomes. I think that's yeah. the only, like, that's, I mean, obviously you can impact your uh, your input. I'm going to put right. more effort or more time on this. But everything you do impacts your outcome or it, output. It has an impact, absolutely. Yeah. But if you trick yourself into saying, like, I know for a fact that this person that I'm trying to help yeah. and straight up I want you to buy this product I have no control over whether or not you're going to buy that product Okay. so I could forecast you know 95% every month yeah. there's still 5% that you just won't know mm-hmm. you will not be able to control dollar for dollar mm-hmm. like what the other person on the other side of the contract is going to do yeah. um, specifically in sales development right? we make cold calls I train people to call and interrupt your day. That's what Nader did, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it's a rough thing to do. (laughs) It's challenging. Mm -hmm. And you could be on the phone with the nicest person at the worst time. Mm -hmm. And they will yell at you, they will hang up the phone, and you will lean back in your chair saying, was that my fault? (laughs) What what could I do differently? Can we role play it? Sure, yeah. I'm not having the greatest day, but I might Mm -hmm. be one over. And you have a couple seconds to say how this will benefit my life. And I'm Arkimoto. I'm like genuinely the person who does ads at Arkimoto, like one of them. Yeah. They could be like, bring, bring, bring. Hello? Uh, who is this? Hi. Mor- Morgie? <laughs> Tiger. Yeah, this is Morgan from Chili Piper. How are you doing? I'm great. Wonderful. Yeah, do you mind day. if I take 34 seconds of your time just to see? I'll be counting. Go for it. Okay, great. Yeah. So when it comes to this form that I see on your website, okay, what happens when someone fills that out? Uh, we follow up with them. You know, as any company does with a form. Do you specifically or does someone else on your team? No, someone else on the team. You know, big team, big company. Yeah. What part of that process are you involved with? So I uh, I put up the ads, you know, and I I make the ads and we put them up. That kind of part of it. So, you know, that's that's the customer experience, you know. I don't have input on that. but Yeah. So when you're thinking about the success of that ad, how are you measuring it currently? Oh, how many vehicles get sold, obviously, or how many, you know, that's the goal of everything is sell a product, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And when someone comes through that form, mm-hmm. what happens next to get them closer to that vehicle? Mm, yeah, technology, you know, emails, stuff like that, phone calls, which can be a mm-hmm. lot. But what's, what's your point? Cut to, cut to the chase. Yeah. What, what yeah. does chili pepper, chili pepper <laughs> do? Sure. So what we do is exactly influence the way that folks are coming to your website mm-hmm. and getting closer to that next step of buying a car. Mm. So if there's any friction between when they request more information on this form I see on your website mm-hmm. and when they talk to someone on your sales team. Yeah. Right. What would it do for your business to have that friction reduced to zero mm-hmm. 
mm. and allow them to choose a time. Now, the word friction, now, mm-hmm. role play off. Yeah. I really like the word reducing friction. <laughs> of course you um, do. You know, but a lot of <laughs> people doesn't? might not. People be like, what do you mean? It's a computer. There's no friction there. Mm? Um, yeah. But just like these little things of your day of like, oh, you know, this takes a little bit longer. And then, you know, uh, I'm curious, does certain terminology not land with people? Oh, and of are, course. Are you fine? Like, did you find Arkimoto just by like every ad you see that's a form submission? Do you just boom, send them an email? Or like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, good question. Um, so there's, there's two pieces of what I'm hearing, right? Uh, the one I'll address first is prospecting, right? The idea of finding a company that could be interested in our services. Yeah. Um, luckily enough, right, Chili Piper is, it kind of feels like selling a shovel during a gold rush, yeah. right? There's like... You're not a solution finding a problem. <laughs> or you're, you know, what's the saying? Like everyone's saying NFTs are just like a solution trying to find problems. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it doesn't seem like that, which is why I'm surprising. I'm like, actually want to hang out give you a demo drive and have you on the podcast. Yeah. And it's an interesting <laughs> thing when you find someone you're like, that's not just bloatware in my life where it's just extra right. stuff. Yeah, and... There's a lot of sales folks out there struggling with products that they might not use, they might not believe in, they might have a very difficult time having that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, we use our own product, right? So a lot of folks that come to us actually don't know an alternative. Mm. (laughs) And so that's something that we have to train is like, look, if you didn't use this product, here's what you'd have to do. Like here are the spreadsheets that you might have to manage. Here's Mm -hmm. the way that you'd have to update your CRM, right? The way that you have to reach out Mm -hmm. and talk to the people who are requesting more information. And within an hour, Mm -hmm. 90% of the people who filled out that form are as good as a cold lead. Mm. That's cool. What percent of your mind is filled up with information relating to chili pie? Good question. Um, (laughs) Hopefully as little as possible. Um, I I really would like to function on the minimum amount of information that I need Mm -hmm. to solve problems. Okay. And I think there's a difference when I'm training cold calling mm-hmm. between being ready and being prepared. Mm, so okay. being being ready might look like asking you the same kinds of questions that I just did. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I have an idea of what part of the process you're involved in. Yeah. And I had to be a little bit vague because I'm of like, oh, yeah, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But that's how role plays go. Yeah. Um, and so being curious and getting you to talk more than me on that call mm-hmm. to tell me about your process allows me to f- to have time to think yeah and to find ways that I can sort of guide the conversation to something that might be helpful yeah what's what's really fun is <laughs> is making sure that I don't try and sell you something that you have no need for so if that went um, yeah you know we have a we a hundred percent of people who uh, fill out that form we generally are on a phone call with them within an hour mm-hmm what would you say yeah, I'd be curious how many of those folks end up getting into a meeting mm. and taking that next step. Yeah, but right. I mean, like, if like imagine like the product, like imagine it's already solved somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, then when you'd be like, you know what, whatever you got going on is awesome. Uh, have a great day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've done that on calls before. Um, it's like disappointing, but it is also empowering because I have this list of people that I'm going to call. Right. If I'm making a hundred calls today, and I know for a fact that I don't need to follow up with tiger from Archimoto anymore because they're killing it mm-hmm. then like that's one less person that i need to worry about yeah um and i, I move on not an information just about the product chili piper but mm-hmm. all these contacts all these people yeah that you have to kind of like oh yeah i'm gonna have to reach out to, like that's got to intrude your 6 p.m when, you, when you're with your partner mm. like you gotta be like oh yeah i'm looking forward to following up on that or do you just like shut it off you're like that severance movie or show which <laughs> i never watched <laughs> 
<laughs> you almost have to uh, be. I have I haven't seen that show, but I the premise is really intriguing to yeah. me. It's like how can you be a different person at work than at home? And unfortunately, that's what I think a lot of people need to do. Um, at work, you're right. Sales bleeds into the rest of your time, yeah. especially when you're you're working on commission, right? Mm. So at Chili Piper, for sales folks, we pay a base salary for you to act in the best interests of the company. We pay you commission to act in your own best interests. Incentivize. I like it. Right. And so incentivizing folks to both take time off mm-hmm. <laughs> and to work when they need to uh, is a challenging balance. And I think that's really difficult for a lot of sales development folks in yeah. particular. Uh, finding that balance is really tricky yeah how do you incentivize people taking time off that'd be a Mm -hmm. tricky one yeah so we have unlimited pto right we make sure that they have a plan because their quota might change depending on the amount of time that they take off Mm -hmm. right so if you take off the majority of a month no way i expect you to have the same output as you normally would Mm -hmm. right um so we work together a lot of sales development is arithmetic right so how many people do you need to reach out to every day Mm -hmm. to get within 10 percent of your quota Mm. We have that we have that math for everyone on my team. Yeah. <laughs> and so depending on the time off, we apply that arithmetic to the days left. Yeah. And then and then we gotta work hard so sometimes. Like prorate it. Yeah. And can people just take <laughs> off all the months where companies generally don't spend money and then just, mm. just work the other two, you know? Like or like take off two out of every three months of a mm. quarter, like all year round? Like it seems like you gain that system. And like what happens if someone sure. You know, the person who gets 50% of their quota and the person who doubles their quota. You know, those two, those are two employees. What happens to them? I'm dying in now. Yeah. If you can talk about that, that's specific. Sure, yeah. absolutely. I, I, obviously, I won't be talking about specifics with individuals. But um, in general, right, performance management is part of a lot of positions. Yeah. Um, and in sales, right, we it boils down to just a few statistics. Um, like you said, right, somebody hitting 150% of quota versus 50%, right? They have different things that they need to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and when your compensation is also reliant on that quota, right? The person who's getting 50% doesn't want to be there. <laughs> no one gets into sales to hit 50% of their quota. That's a good point. Um, and so everyone on the team, everyone who's involved in that person's performance is motivated to help them perform better. Yeah. Right? So... I have no interest in terminating working relationships as a result of performance. Wow, really? What I would prefer is dedicated coaching time Mm. and to see if this is a role that you want to succeed in. Mm. A lot of people are getting into sales development as their first job, right? A lot of folks just fresh out of college or with no college degree, right? It's one of those few positions that you can get into and make six figures without a college degree. Yeah. What's the number one attribute number? Is it just charisma or is it listening? Like quick thinking, mm-hmm. logic, emotion. What what yeah. differentiates your better performing people you've worked with? Good question. To everyone else. I think two, two things that stand out are um, something that we talk about in the hiring process that is like grit. Mm-hmm. Overall, how willing are you to try something and fail at it? Yeah. And willing to try again immediately, right? Um, one of the hardest things is to get yelled at on the phone, hang up, and call somebody mm-hmm. again, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, subjecting yourself to that kind of rejection is tough. Um, how do you deal with it? Do you have a lot of I grit? Uh, I developed grit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a kind of grit that I wasn't hmm, fully aware of how to develop until I got into sales, right? Like, it's very rare that I get yelled at 
just in my day to day. Yeah. Um, until I started sales, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, like I've been yelled at indiscriminately, and that's very easy to shrug off. Yeah, that's it's like, nothing. oh well, they're just yelling, right? <laughs> I, I could be anybody walking by. Yeah. Um, but when it's directed at me and my family in the way that like <laughs> they are talking about, um, you know, what they would prefer to be doing <laughs> right now than being on the phone with me, um, is different. The grit that I had coming into this role was knowing that I could work very hard for little to no payoff. And that was just something that I like have done, right? By I, helping the environment. Uh, You're by like by working since I was 12, right? So I started working when I was 12 in landscaping and then I got into construction and then I went to college. Take a day off, <laughs> man. <laughs> it, was, it was just this thing that I did, right? Like my family was always, um, right, my blood family, right? My parents uh, were very invested in instilling a, heart, a, a deep work ethic. Mm. In, in me. Is it a good thing? It Is worked, it, right? It worked. I like it. Okay. Would you instill <laughs> it in your kid if you have one? Mm, yes. I think it has benefited me um, just as much as like being willing to talk to folks that I don't know, mm. right? Which is sort of curiosity. You can call it charisma. Um, but I think that genuine curiosity and grit are the two things that really make um, a good foundation mm-hmm. for a salesperson. That's really beautiful. In terms of work ethic, because it's a big question. I know people Mm -hmm. who work really hard. I know people who work really hard on stuff that's meaningless. (laughs) And it's brutal. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to say of what you're working on matters more than how hard you work, right? And then you, looping back to earlier in the show, you said the best way to multiply something is who you work with. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, and I'm not trying to disparage anything, working hard is definitely a part of the puzzle, but it's like sure. who you work with and what you work on is like those two decisions, like a decision of, okay, I'm going to start spending my energy writing a book or going right. to a vineyard. Like one decision can mean more than 2,000 hours in a work year. Yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? Have you like? Do you have any yeah. key pivotal decisions in your life that you've looked back at? I think I told you the whole Joe Rogan, DMT, uh, LA, yeah. and then the podcast thing. I mean, that was like two or three key decisions of, yeah, I'll go on Reddit and yeah, I'll try making, you know, it's like all these things <laughs> yeah. led to here. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if I had picked a different thing of like, oh, I don't like Reddit or I don't, I'm not going to try making DMT. It's like I could have spent 2000 hours working toward physical therapy and I would have not gotten as far. So what mm-hmm. are some key pivotal points? I might start asking more people this question. I'm curious. Yeah, that's a fun question. And it's hard to like look back at them, but. Yeah, but it's also a healthy thing to do. Um, one that stands out uh, is when I decided to stay at the University of Oregon. Um, there was a time where I was one decision away from going to uh, <laughs> going on to become a sea captain um, <laughs> through uh, the California Maritime Institute. Okay. Um, I had a good friend who uh, he went on to be a mechanical engineer on tanker ships. He had been there for a year. We had talked about, you know, how I wasn't sure if college was for me or if, like, the things that I was studying really mattered to me, um, what direction I'd like to be going in. And, you know, the draw of working on the open sea is pretty interesting, right? You work six months out of the year and you get paid quite a bit. All right, right? that's good. It sounds like a nightmare to me. If I see TikToks (laughs) of, like, the ships going, like, I'm like, no, 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 not for me. Exactly. (laughs) But, yes, I guess that could be, it could be appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what what interested me was the freedom that you would get the other six months of the year, mm-hmm. right? Um, making a quarter million dollars in six months is not bad when you're not bad at all. Eighteen, you know, staring down 
student loans. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe I could be a sea captain for a little while. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I decided that wasn't for me. Right, the idea of being away from people that I was close to, or you know, people that I would be close to in the future, mm-hmm. and just having six months of my life every year be dedicated to being on a boat, especially unsustainable when you have a kid. I mean, just right, so many yeah. th- that's some lines of trauma that you'd be starting your kid. I'm going to be a sea captain. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll see you in six months. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you know your partner? I don't know how long you two have been mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So you've been together for like a decade or so. We've, yeah, we've been together for nine years. Oh, wow. Now, and so this was prior to us being together was making this decision Mm. um however it was maybe that one decision cascaded into probably 10 or 12 of the people that are in my logical family now right like 10 or 12 of the people that i'm closest to um i would never have met (laughs) had i made that choice yeah Um, so there's you out there that's just on a ship would you be out there in summer or winter uh good question maybe a little bit of both it depends on where so you'd be Um, on a ship somewhere with a bunch of guys Mm-hmm. And then, but instead, you're here and you're enjoying life, right? That's decision. It. Yeah. I mean, what would you do with all that money? But you're literally like a slave half of the year. Like you're not. <laughs> you don't get to pick where you are, what day you get up, what you eat, mm-hmm. who you're around. Like that's that's that'd be soul crushing. Yeah, no doubt. Um, then you get to live like a millionaire. <laughs> I, I fully expect that the the choices that I've based a lot of my life on to never have been on my plate had I made that one choice. Right. Mm. Uh, opening a winery when I was 18 didn't seem like, you not know, possible. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's to say but that was really. a genuine option to like or at least not be a sea captain immediately but be on the path mm-hmm. to be a sea captain yeah it was like a four-year program wow. where um two out of those years i would have already been on the water right <laughs> well kenzie i got a good backup plan now that's right Damn. <laughs> merchant marines merchant <laughs> marines oh so you get like military benefits or no that's like a that's like a, a a different option for those who want to be working on the water right mm-hmm. merchant marines is another um type of organization that okay. is outside of something that is like California Maritime. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we got like 10 or 12 minutes left. I'm just mm-hmm. curious, like, I mean, you're wearing a whoop strap. You seem to must be into fitness and health or sleeping. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really hear about what you did in biology. Are there mm-hmm. any like aspects of yourself that you're like, you know, not a lot of people know about or like there's some, what's on the top of your mind more often than not, you know? Hmm. That's a fun question. Um, let's see two hobbies that I haven't been able to do since we moved to Colorado that I've just been dying to get back to, um, are judo and metalwork. So I was, uh, you could call it an apprentice blacksmith for about four years. Mm. Um, until my, my teacher, he moved to Boston, mm. um, helped him pack up a blacksmith shop. That is not a task that you, anybody should take <laughs> on lightly. <laughs> not fun to help someone move. Definitely when it's all what, just metal and steel. I think, I think gross. it ended up being, uh, 40,000 pounds of steel oh, wow. that was moved across country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it all made your hands block to touch it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh. Yeah. Luckily I didn't move every piece. Um, what'd you move with some, them? Some, like, what or what'd you make with them? Not move with them. Sure. Uh, sculptures. So uh, largely we made sculpture. Um, those ones that I'll always see rusting when I'm driving by places. Probably those are a bit bigger. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, I'm just a student. So, uh, really what we started with was making leaves. So, um, I don't know if you've heard of like people who blow glass will like try to make a horse as sort of like a like a project that lets lets their teachers know that they're they've reached a certain level of skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so in blacksmithing, at least specifically with my teacher, um, it was making a leaf uh, after heating a, a piece of metal at varying thickness in one heat, mm. which is challenging. It takes a lot of practice, um, and I think his teacher told him right like 
make leaves and on your 200th one it'll probably be good enough to keep Wow. Uh, the rest of them are just trash. Do you still have one? Um, I have dozens. You have dozens? <laughs> yeah, that you're I've, all happy with. So I've, ma- no, I've, I've made hundreds of them. I'm probably happy with dozens of them. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that that was sort of like practice, what we did. right? Yeah. Uh, before we moved, we were working on this dragon sculpture, which was fun. right? Just learning how to move metal in whatever way you choose uh, is super enjoyable. Um, I got into it to make tools for woodworking. Um, I was the person who was like, I'm going to get into woodworking. And then I looked at how much it costs to buy a hand chisel. Um, I was like, wow, I'm not going to get into woodworking. Maybe I can make tools. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, this is crazy odds. One second here. Yeah. Oh, you got a piece of metal. I've never bought metal in my entire life. (laughs) What's this for? Two days ago. Yeah. I bought 36 (laughs) by 10 inches of, uh, aluminum. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, because a friend is going to, as you can see that one right there, mm-hmm. um, I've had that for like four years because they're good for like, we're just a group of co- uh, kids in college. Yeah. And uh, he put on a CNC machine a marker and made this. And I'm like, can you do that with like yeah. an actual piece of metal? He's like, yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to be doing not real metal working. Someone yeah. else is going to be inputting something to a computer. But I'm excited. I, I, I have a piece exciting. of metal. So in terms of wood, woodworking is expensive because wood's expensive. Wood's expensive, tools are expensive. Metal's yeah. absurdly expensive. I mean, this was 50 bucks, but if that was mm-hmm. brass or bronze, I don't remember what I asked. You said it'd be $900. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, that's really expensive, right? Uh, yeah. The things that I use, mild steel, right? You can get leaf springs off of an old truck at a at a pick and pull for very cheap. Mm, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, interesting. And then judo, that's the one where you can grab their belt. Um, you-, you can't grab the belt, but they're wearing a gi. Yeah. Um, and it's it's different than jujitsu in that it most often involves the throwing aspect mm-hmm. of like grappling sports. So I had the throwing right, just not the yeah, not that's the right. Yeah, the belt is actually like specifically off off limits, so you can't just grab it. Okay. <laughs> Anything else though? I mean, so um, like, what would get you into throwing? I, mm-hmm. If I were in, I wouldn't want to do like a strike. So I did wrestling when I was younger. Yeah, great. And sport. I liked it. I didn't like the awkward earmuffs, yeah. but I didn't want to get cauliflower <laughs> ears. I didn't like the mm-hmm. look of the unitard. Sure. So there's aspects I didn't like. But, you know, it's like the limberness that you're forced to get and like the, mm-hmm. it's really good. But I'm like, you know, a lot of people have skin diseases and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, there's so many, like, I wish I could do it in a more sterile environment or something, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that's part of it. So what about judo? Sure. Do you like, you know, and dislike? I mean, if I got thrown once, I'd be like, I'm fucking, you know. This sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just like a permanent injury from like, just like mm. an ankle breaking. I'd be like, was that worth it? So what's, right. what makes it worth it for you? Yeah. Good question. Um, So going back to that car accident right had a car accident in pain chronic pain for about three years towards the end of that um a good friend of mine you know we we just had a frank conversation about the fact that we were like getting out of shape and we didn't like it we were both athletes in college we're like were you fat we, we got to do something i was yeah. i was gaining weight you know <laughs> um and so we, we just sort of looked at each other like we got to do something and like working out in the gym is fun up to a point mm-hmm. and then something that i didn't expect to really need is having a goal Mm. And so that goal became performance in a sport. Um, I had my friend uh, who's actually about to have his first baby next week. It's, so you have two it's a good, friends. good, good baby season, I guess. Yeah, um, seriously, my <laughs> brother, your brother, and a friend. Crazy, <laughs> yeah. Fall babies, um, but he just decided that we should try martial arts, mm. and I said okay. Um, we ended up finding a school in Portland that was ninety-four years old. So it's been, it's one of the oldest judo schools in North America, Mm -hmm. um, by far the oldest one in Portland. And it had just an insane lineup 
of teachers. Just some folks that are at a level that very few actually make it to, right? Like seventh Don teachers, right? That doesn't mean a lot so like unless you're familiar with the equivalent of like the Gracie family in jujitsu or that you always hear about. Yeah, right. Like these folks won championships internationally. Whoa. They were really high level. Yeah. Um, and it was a nonprofit. Right. So it was like, how could I not be involved in like this thing with all this history? I'd move up there. That sounds pretty great. <laughs> yeah. It's an incredible school. It's called Obukan. Um, uh, I, I believe it means like O State School. So it was named by the founder of judo. So it has all this like deep history in the Japanese community in Portland, um, as well as just judo in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got involved. It was better than getting kicked or punched in the face. Oh, yeah. Um, we were both really sore for a long time. Would you just go against each other? You were similar weights? No, no. no. Um, I outweigh him probably by like 30 or 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I was ended, I was always put with like the biggest dudes in the glass. Um, I remember taking my first fall, right? There's like, there's a few techniques that are quite painful. My first fall was like probably the most dangerous technique in judo. Oh. And we, we just had to take 10 in a row, right? I felt like maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> and sticking with it, right? It gradually became less painful. I think I just got like denser. <laughs> I think my body composition yeah. changed meaningfully. Um, and it became fun, right? Wow. It became sort of like chess, but like actively fighting someone like really fast. Do you have a higher chess. tolerance for a lot of pains? Like if you get a burn now or a cut, or is it well, just literally like, you know, if someone punch like, Falling yeah. is the equivalent of getting punched. You're just like these blunt force. It's like, it's like body blows. Like it's I think like I gotta take blows. some body blows. Um, but like burns really, that was from, from blacksmithing. Like I, mm. I burn my hands constantly and uh. that, that doesn't really bother me. Cold things drive me nuts, right? <laughs> like if I have to touch something really, really cold, oof. <laughs> it's like, that's more painful than burns. Um, you get a job uh, at Jamba Juice to, just to overcome that. <laughs> like touching this. It's like cold stone. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just go over there and make some ice cream. <laughs> Um, I'm actually nervous about living in Colorado. It gets really cold there. Um, oh, yeah. But, um, we no, probably wouldn't have had fun on a boat in the Pacific Ocean. That would not, <laughs> would not have been a good time. I'd have different tolerances. Yeah, yeah. I'd be walking kind of wobbly down the street, but I would be yeah. fine on the open ocean. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, man, and so did you ever, like, fight with people? So it's not your friends. So you don't, like, know them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you win a move, and they're, like, get a little too competitive. Like, that's the thing um, I never liked about physical sport even game like anything where someone can be like oh yeah and they take a little too seriously mm. i'm like that ruins a lot of like i would i would really want to know the person to be like yeah. hey we're just we're just playing right we're getting competitive feeling but, like, safe is yeah, really important i don't win better by actually hitting you harder but like i've been <laughs> yeah. in positions of like wrestling and stuff where i'm like we're on the same team we're practicing you just took it way too seriously are you kicking my ass right now yeah yeah um yeah so that's that's one of the things that i actually admire the most about judo as a sport is that there's so much foundational work that you do mm. before you're ever put in a scenario where there's like anything dangerous happening so like being able to trust the person that you're fighting is something i like a lot about that sport right there's a lot of rules there's more rules than like in the mma or in jujitsu like there's things that are off limits right and so part of the study is like building moral character in accordance with like the things that you're learning um and you know i think i think that's one of the one of the aspects of judo that sets it apart mm-hmm. um from from other martial arts so that it was it was developed as a pedagogy Jigoro Kano, the founder of judo, developed it so that it would be something that we could put students in, like Mm. from you know age five and up. Um, That was also one of the things I liked the most. Right, exactly. That's cool. I love it. It it blows my mind how much time you have for like these extracurricular activities, but you've never just been like, 
I'm going to go work at a vineyard. For <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Just, to Just back see. to the back to the question of if am I really making strides towards this goal or not? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know yeah. so many people are like, I just want to go live out on like a permaculture like a thing. I'm like, have mm-hmm. you ever have you ever tried a single aspect to that? You know, yeah. like a lot of people set goals that they never do. So I'm curious, like, you know, would sure. you ever go be? I mean, you know, be sounding working on a winery or like an uh, olive farm. Mm-hmm over so, Italy would be great. You know, it sounds great. It's hilarious that you bring that up. Um, I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, we test drove that life, right? Me and my logical brother. Okay. We moved to Spain after school. We worked on a vineyard for a couple months. Um, oh. And that was really where we, we made this plan together. And all of it or a wine vineyard? A wine vineyard. So you did do yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, nice. Exactly. You got it. You got it. We, we test drove it. Um, we made sure that it was something that we could do, uh, or at least that we would love to try. Mm. <laughs> well, who knows if we're going to be any good at it? We might make the worst wine in the Willamette Valley, but we're going to try. Yeah. <laughs> so you lived in Spain. You said, yeah, I'm going to go back to Eugene, Oregon. Sounds like a great plan. Like you're in Spain. You made it. Isn't it the place yeah. where they like take naps in the day and they're like, like a oh. lot better work life. Oh, not man. calling anyone lazy, but my understanding is that there's a <laughs> cultural difference where they respect time off a lot more than here. There is. Yeah. No doubt. Kenzie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm a huge fan of that culture. Uh, siestas and tapas, two mm-hmm. best things that never made it to the U.S. Um, probably on purpose, right? The idea of giving out free food and taking a nap in the middle of the day, <laughs> pretty pretty Not anti-capitalist good. values. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so where we were, right? It got hot during the day. It it became a practical choice uh, to take a two-hour nap cool. after you know having a glass of wine with lunch, um, and that was just how we how and we like the bosses there. knew like people who work they were no, doing it together. i guess you're on a vineyard that makes sense yeah they're like wine. yeah this is this is the time of day where we chill out and have some wine and take a nap when it cools down we'll work again and then we'll eat dinner at like 9 or 10 p.m mm-hmm. um and you're mm-hmm. woofing how'd this happen yeah that's right good call i am on a guessing <laughs> you are killing it <laughs> i'll take it i'll take it that's, <laughs> man well then i am mm-hmm. unbelievably excited to see kind of as you progress there i don't know how often you'll come to oregon we pretty much just hit an hour but sure this has been really fun getting to before we started you're like what are we going to talk about i'm like mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, we'll get it it's kind of just a character <laughs> piece how was it was it as, as much as you're expecting or was it oh yeah i'm sitting here sweating but i had a great time yeah <laughs> hey, go back to the very question i asked maybe before the show started like mm-hmm. Are you like, do you have any anxiety? I mean, there's something that I think like 70% of adults today have anxiety. There's yeah. more uh, anxiety and SSRI prescriptions than there are people in the US last year. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, I don't think it's a, a crazy thing. I've blunted mine with maybe like Fenabay or Kratom or stuff like that, just <laughs> occasionally, obviously. But sure. I'm like, I don't drink and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What does anxiety feel like for you and how do you blunt it? Yeah, good question. Um, frankly, I'm not sure, right? Anxiety's a big question in my mind around like what does it feel for every individual right there's obviously a huge scale of experiences um everyone's own chemistry is quite a bit different when it comes to how that affects how they feel um anxiety for me um i've noticed recently actually like giving presentations or speaking in public Mm -hmm. i'll have like this tendency to just like kind of stop breathing Like, I'll have to remind myself to breathe. And it's just so stressful in the moment because I feel like I'm going to pass out. I end up, like, stopping mid-sentence, looking like an idiot on Zoom. (laughs) And just, like, have to kind of get get myself back to where I can say the thing that I meant to say 20 seconds ago. So, public speaking, Um, you're really good (laughs) one-on-one. I would not have guessed that at all. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. just breathe that's such an easy answer well yeah it's a it's a surprising thing to forget to do yeah um 
yeah feel like a failure of a human when it happens because it's like the one thing i can count on even when i'm sleeping did you ever vape or smoke or anything like that uh i've smoked weed occasionally yeah. i smoked cigarettes once in a while and it just gives me a brutal headache so that was an easy thing to stop doing easy um yeah. i've gotten into vaping and the whole goal is you don't want to bring it as low as you can so i've noticed mm-hmm. it got me in the habit of taking more shallow breaths sometimes like if oh, i'm interesting you know just like not like playing a video game so like artificially stressed like mm-hmm. that's probably the most stressed i feel is i'm like playing a video game like oh i want to get him i like i'll like lick my lips and i'll be like like <laughs> yeah. breathing really shallow like what the fuck am i doing but then i mean like i'll be talking like i love just doing stuff that's like you know just out of the ordinary of like talking to people and stuff like that so yeah. it's, it's very interesting maybe i just artificially <laughs> she's laughing right now because i'll be playing on <laughs> <laughs> just deep in it it's yeah. really odd things will make and then why i go toward that but i don't go toward like you know scary video games or scary movies sure. that would cause me like mm-hmm. a deep anxiety but, <laughs> you know at the end of the world uh, I might start asking more people that because everyone yeah. does have some form of anxiety mm-hmm. and not a lot of people ever talk about it. So everyone probably thinks that theirs is uniquely different. Sure. Yeah. And it'll manifest differently on who's feeling it or what that, what a, that experience actually changes in terms of behavior. Mm. Um, but yeah, for me, I would say managing it <laughs> usually comes after the fact. Like mm-hmm. it's very difficult for me to get things under control when when they're happening in the moment. Yeah, um, feels like you have less time sometimes in life. Like yeah. sometimes you just have more time, and like you right. can do more th- more thoughts. And other times it's like time's condensed. It's a weird thing. Yeah. So in retrospect, right, I, I would love to develop better better tools for myself mm. around that as well. So if you hear of anything, just good, get a tattoo in your hand. Just yeah. breathe. Just breathe. Don't uh, forget. Yeah. A long time ago, when I <laughs> take uh, psychedelics, I'd write, uh, "Drink water, go pee." Because if yeah. I was ever in a situation where I'm like watching a movie and I'm like, "Why am I?" so uncomfortable it'd be like do one of those two things it gets you out of the situation if you're either drinking water or going pee like it, it just you know you reinvigorates you're like going outside just something so i'm right. like you know you could write just breathe and you're like <sighs> oh okay yeah, yeah right but, float downstream drink water go pee you know yes. there's <laughs> love it this has been truly a joy morgie morgan uh, mm. i'm happy that you're having a lot of new kind of members of your logical family coming into oh, to being you. yeah we postponed yesterday's show to the day that's right which is wonderful i, I appreciate the sleep. flexibility thank you Absolutely. Mm-hmm. i appreciate you thank you very much <laughs> take care and if you have any last things to say or you know mm. advice for people like you know if you have one last sentence people listen to you this long they clearly are interested that, in yeah um i'm amazed that anybody would listen to me for this long however uh thank you so much for inviting me on it's been a pleasure yeah. <laughs> it's a joy all right take care and lots of love everyone all right.